0: We've been spending a lot of our hours trying to get ahead, and so that we can help you guys win. The whole point is that Jesus Christ is to be lifted up on our lives. And in fact, uh, I've already been thinking about Thanksgiving and what I'm going to be doing with my family, and and questions. My wife and I will spend some time thinking about how we can ask questions. You know, Jesus led people through questions because questions get hearts engaged. Not, he didn't, you know, many times what we do is we, we hear an answer and our heart is, is almost gets disengaged. But when we get a question and it makes us, it promotes more questions in our life. And so I, I would uh, challenge you to do the same, same thing. And the reason that we had, uh, hi, honey. Um, the reason that we had um, taken this time to help you with the Zoom was uh, God was showing me what's happening and in, in what's breaking people's hearts today is the disconnect. We live in a time right now where we're told that we aren't even able to, to be with each other, connect with each other. And so what we're trying to do right now is create an environment where you guys can do that very thing. And I know for myself, um, just like everybody that uh, has a human situation, whatever you fear, you, sh- you literally, or feel ashamed of, you walk away from. I mean, That's just normal. I mean, that's what Adam and Eve did, right? They felt ashamed, and so they ran from God. And so maybe you're like me, you're, you have technical difficulties in life. Um, this morning, my wife and I were, her phone just, we couldn't even get the dumb thing to shut off. You know, and and it just, in fact, she's still having difficulties shutting the phone off. And we go, hey, Siri, shut the phone off. And then it goes, hold the two side buttons. Did that, you know? And so um, the point of it is, is we struggle a lot of times with it. Now, whether you're my generation or any other generation with it, what we don't want you to do is run from what God can do. And so that's what we did this for. We wanted to take time in our service to assist you, and please, if you still struggle, and I know that we just went through that kind of fast, that Zoom thing, if you still struggle, please call. Don't call Pastor Ron. That won't be much help, all right? But <laughs> there are so many. You can, you can call Rita, you can call Jana, you can call Jonathan, and they will assist you and help you. With uh, with just these technical areas where we can at this time still connect. Amen, amen. All right. Well, today I'm so uh, excited about sharing about communion. Obviously, we have communion where up here um, we're going to have a communion at the end of the service today. But through this study time, I've been having personally going through the ten of meaning and trying to uh, you know just see what what was God doing with His people. And even today, uh, as we talk about, uh, in fact, if you could turn with me to Exodus, and I would like you to just, we're, we're going to take a journey if we could, Exodus chapter 25, and we're going to go through some details, and, and I don't want to get caught up with the details. I, I want you to get caught up with the heart that God has. I mean, God has such a heart for his people and for a heart for the world, He has a heart for the world, and that you, with what God is doing in and through your life, are expressive to the world. In fact, what really is, um, you'll you'll find through this whole, um, God's people going through this journey, was it was literally TV, like we have TV and we have internet, it was literally the voice of expression to the world. And sometimes when we read the Bible, we get so caught up in the in the historical moment of you know the peop- the, the God's people are in the wilderness and they go through the Red Sea or they're they they're complaining about water or or they they you know or Moses is getting frustrated and he, he throws the Ten Commandments down. We get so caught up in that moment. We if we could just back up, maybe just you know in a five thousand foot view, God was trying to show the world who He is. You know what? I, I mean, sometimes we're getting so honed in on our experiences today, so honed in on, on the fear and the anxiety and what, everything the media is doing, we don't step away and get a 5,000--foot view that God is still alive. God is still resurrected, He's still on his throne, and He wants to touch lives. And He wants to do that through you. That's what he's longing to do that. Would will we, will we be the voice of God? To a, a fearful, hurtful, a dark scenario world. In Exodus chapter 25, again, we're going to be talking about the table of showbread today. And, we, and I know that these are, um, th- and my team helped me a little bit, and so I'm going to try to, to, to bring this into view. Can, is, is this getting on the screen a little bit? Yeah, great. This table of showbread, and this is not dimensionally uh, correct right now, uh, it's like 27 inches wide, or high, it was 36 inches wide. And it was about 18 inches deep. And uh, what would happen is, is that this showbread, and that's what these are. There six on one side and six on another. And there were uh, utensils or dishes, you might say, that were on, on, this, on this table. And again, this table was um, gold overlaid. It had crown molding. You don't see any of that on this table. But there were very, very intricate details that God had. But this table was something that they only went to once a week. Now, everything that we've been talking about so far today, and I'm going to try to review because some of us get lost, maybe, maybe I'm going too fast, maybe it's just, uh, there's just too much to grab hold of, so I'm going to try to um, uh, you know, bring it down to what is God doing and, and what is he trying to speak to you, you personally. And the first thing I want to share with you guys is this. In Revelations, we, and we're not going through that today, but, but in Revelations chapter one, in the, and I've been trying to go through this for the weeks past, God says there's a new priestly order. And I've explained this in times, in weeks in the past, I don't want to take the time to do it today because there's too much to share. And we're ha- having communion today. But you know what? You can get on our website and, and review these messages. But today, we're we are in a new priestly order, which means when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and 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 you take you know and you surrender your life to him god wants to raise you up from being a child to a, an adult that understands who he is and that you can get caught up in his presence and that there is actually a priestly duty to your life. But now the priestly duty isn't these utensils and isn't the bread, it isn't lighting the lamp, it isn't going over there and, and, and having the burning incense, it's you now are that temple. And there are things that God wants you to do to function in this life so that you could be an exact replicant, if you will, of that tent of meeting. And I'll try to explain that as best I can, all right? The first thing I want to do is just kind of read kind of a detailed order of what this table is, all right? And it's found in Exodus chapter 25, verse 23. You shall also make a table of acacia wood, 2 cubits shall be its length, and a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold, and make a molding of gold all around. You shall make it for a frame of a hand breadth all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. And you shall make it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are in its four legs. The rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. And that table be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Read one more passage, and we're going to get into the story. Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24, starting with verse 3, kind of giving us a, a, a picture of what priests would do in the table of his presence. Verse three, Aaron must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law, and it must be observed from generation to generation. Pass it on that God is present with your life. Aaron and the priest must tend the lamps on the pure gold lampstand, continually in the Lord's presence. You should make 12 flat loaves of bread from choice flour using four quarts of flour for each loaf, Place the bread before the Lord on the pure gold table and arrange the loaves in two stacks with six loaves in each stack. Put them some pure frankincense, it's like an oil, near each stack to serve as a representative offering a special gift presented to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, this bread shall be laid out before the Lord as a gift to the Israelites. It is an ongoing expression of the eternal covenant. The loaves of bread will belong to Aaron and his descendants. You must eat them in the sacred place, for they are most holy. It is a permanent right for the priest to claim this portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. All right, so we're just going to take a few points here and try to break it down and make it real for our lives today. Number one, the Sabbath was made for you to have your heart set apart to your Heavenly Father. The Sabbath day was God's holy day so that our lives might take the time to be set apart as holy unto God. Now that word holy today is really hard to explain because we just really don't grab hold of it. We don't really understand what it means that this is, this is just a, this is what God wants and this is what, how God sees it. This is how God designed it. These are, there's, ordin, there's uh, things that God wants us to do in a right order because that's what God has asked of us to do. And sometimes we go, well, I don't, I don't why, why? You know, like, like a two-year-old, sometimes, you know, we have it, we act like this to God. And I don't mean that, I do this too, so I'm not pointing my finger at any of you. Why, God? And yet, I want to read a passage to you, and it's found in Ezekiel chapter 20. Okay, and if you have a time, a a moment, I want you to mark it in your Bibles. Ezekiel chapter 20, that God's perspective of the Sabbath, if I could. Ezekiel 20, verse 12. I gave them my Sabbath days of rest, as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who had set them apart to be holy. But the people of Israel rebelled against me. They refused to obey my decrees there in the wilderness. They wouldn't obey my regulations even though obedience would have given them life. They also violated my Sabbath days. So I threatened to pour out my fury on them and I made plans to utterly consume them in the wilderness. But look at verse 14, what God's Heart is toward toward the people. But again, I held back in order to protect the honor of my name before the nations. God was trying to show the nations who He is through the Israelites' life, who had seen my power in bringing Israel out of Egypt. So, if I could, and and try to help you um, have this experience, all right? First of all, Remember, we enter his gates with we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. And now what I am learning from this is that the only thing that you could if you weren't a priest, that the first thing you do is you come to this gate through Thanksgiving and you would come to the altar of sacrifice. That would be the first thing you'd, you'd bump right into it. And that was the further, that, that was, you couldn't get any further than that unless you were a priest. So you'd offer free willy, which means that you would offer, you know, a lamb or a, a turtle dove, or, or maybe you'd offer some incense, but you would be offering something to God because you loved your Lord. You were drawing close to God, but all you could do is have this experience in the, in, you would say, in this outer court with God through what you're giving to him, and unless you were a priest or a Levite, you couldn't get past that, and God wanted all of his people to get close to him. He's always wanted his people to draw close to him, so God sends Jesus on the cross to die for our sins so that every one of us can be a priest, Every one of us can get in the, and, and partake of the bread of his presence. Every one of us can get so close to God, whereas before in that day, they couldn't do that. The only way that an Israelite would understand what the bread of his presence was is if a priest told him about it. Because the only people that could eat the bread and be close to the presence of God, that close, was if you were a priest. And it was literally a honor. It was such a favor. It was something that you revered. And so, so for if I could right now, is I want to pretend I'm a priest in that day. Okay, so I would come into this place and realize, wow, I'm very. It's a special moment for my life, and I'm very thankful to come in to this space with God. And the first thing I would do is I'd come to this altar of sacrifice and i i would say lord I, I surrender my life to you i give you my my life and maybe i would offer a turtle dove or maybe i would offer a lamb or or maybe i would offer something unto god but i would take this time and my heart is beginning to engage in longing to get into a, a closer space with god so i come in this place and i'm i'm thankful for that and then what i would do is is after i came to that i would come and wash my hands in this brazen labor, wash my hands, and I take time to to wash my feet, and now I'm beginning to, to realize that I'm unclean. That in my best moment, I'm still, even though I've offered to God, I'm still not, that that my life isn't ready. My life is not worthy to be in his presence, the holiness of God. There's nothing in me that deserves to be in that space with God. But God would create these sacraments, that God would create these regulations, not because he wants to regulate me, but because he wants me close to him. And so God would create this space of, of washing my hands and washing my feet and, and offering things as a sacrifice. And as I come into this, now I'm going to come into the tent of meetings. And every single day I would come to this. Remember the golden lampstand? And that there was one stem up and that represented Jesus. And then it branched into six other, you know, lights and lamps. And I, every day I would tend that in the morning. And I would tend that at night. And I would see that that was lit up. And that light represented what? That light represented knowledge. That light represented wisdom, that light represented understanding, that light represented the fear of God and the counsel of God, that light, represented the spirit of might, all of these were represented that was lit up. I would do that every single day, representing, and by the way, over here on the side, I would see, because it was directly opposite of that tent, I would see these loaves. But I wouldn't touch these loaves, because it wasn't Sabbath day. And then I would go over to the altar of incense and I would make sure that the, you know that, that it was still lit and that, that I still filled the oil and I made sure that that fragrance was going because it was literally worship unto God. And I would take time to pray and say, God, I thank you for the, being in this space with you. I thank you, Lord God, for all longing to be with God's people and that I'm, Lord, I'm God, I'm peculiar at the space with you and I want to be more like you and I want to be in your, in your image. I understand and I would probably at this point have such reflection of who God is in my life in the space of God in my heart and now I want to go it's the Sabbath day and these loaves the Kohathites had actually actually they were the ones that were in charge of making this bread and they, they would take this bread, and, and it was replaced, all, all 12 loaves, which represented the 12 tribes of God, which represented the provision that God had for His people, that God was a provider. And he, he would, they would take these loaves, and by the way, the priests, and here's the thing that I didn't really understand, that there was other artifacts on this table. There was a plate, like we already have a plate underneath here, but there was a plates that were underneath, underneath the showbread. There were dishes, and then there were cups. And there would probably, and it doesn't really get very clear what was going on on here. I don't really understand why. Maybe it's something that we're going to understand later when we get into the heavenlies. But more than likely, there was wine that was in this jar, and we don't know if, if they actually you know, partook of just the, not just the bread, but maybe they had wine at the same time. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible is very specific that they ate the shell bread. And it was that, that was literally their substance, and that the priests were the only ones could touch it, and it was considered holy unto them. Now, I, here's what the, you say. Well, Pastor, what does that have to do with today? Well, let me tell you something. God is always trying to, to express or attach ourselves to Jesus. And the showbread looked into the future of who Jesus was and is. Communion looks into the past of who Jesus is and was. So communion looked backwards towards Christ, the center of our life, the showbread looks forward. Nonetheless, it's all an expression to tell the world who he is. And the Sabbath day was not meant so that you couldn't do this. And I remember my wife, tell, you know, we were sharing stories of things that we could do and couldn't do. You know, and, and, I, and so she, she had uh, one uh, scenario, she said, uh, on, on Sundays I could ride my bike, but I couldn't sweat. It just, you know, it just, just, these are just kind of regulations and rules that people made to try to set the day apart, but let me just share something, you know, and you take some time to read the gospel and Jesus on the Sabbath day, because Jesus came on the facest earth, and he didn't treat the Sabbath day much different than what, uh, you know, we do, but because he was the bread of presence, and so, what happened was, is on a Sabbath day, he would heal people. On the Sabbath day, he would deliver people from demons. On the Sabbath day, his, his own disciples began to, you know, pluck corn and eat food, which, which was illegal against the regulations. And so the Pharisees and the religious people at that time questioned Jesus going, you can't truly be from heaven because look what you're doing to the Sabbath day. And what Jesus was trying to say is, look, I says, says man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for, for man. What Jesus was saying is this, the whole point of the Sabbath day was to get in his presence. The whole point that God has been, always been trying to do is just, would you please get closer to me? And today, all I see is people that are having, longing for an experience with God and not the presence of God. I'm not really looking, honey, would you please come up here a minute? I'm not really looking to have a moment in passing with my wife. We've already talked about what we're gonna kind of do today and, she, and we woke up and so, here's, here's what I'm saying. Here's what we do with God. We come like this, hey, hello. And we have an experience with God. We call it church. It's a passing. But it's not a presence. We're not, you know. And so today, when we talked about what are we going to do today, we're, we got some chores and, and we got some activities that we're going to be getting done. But we're going to sit down and be present with each other. We're going to communicate with each other. We're going to have a loving time with each other. We're going to share hearts. We're going to be present You're nervous right now. All right, right, go ahead and have your seat. Thank you, honey. So we're going to be present with each other. And see, the thing is, is what many of us as Christians, we're not taking the time. And so when you look at a priest, there were so many things that they had to go through so they would realize, look, if I had gone through all of these motions, I wouldn't want some passing moment with God. If I had to go over there and put on this garment, take off that garment, wash my feet, wash my hands, go over there to offer a sacrifice, and then come over here and make sure the lamps were burning right in the morning and at night and make sure the incense was going, taking some time to go over there and then go over there once a week, you know, eat this bread, I would want some presence with the one that was asking me to do this. Is anybody listening? I would want that, and today what's happening is we look at the regulations, or we look at you know, taking devotions, and we look at the burden of it, and we don't really realize that God says, get in my word, and I'll be present with you. Get in prayer, and I'll be present with you. Get in worship and I'll be present with you. That's why we're, we as a church are asking you and giving you this right now media so that you can have some devotional time, not so that you can be just like robotic life changers. We're looking for you to be present with God. We know that today what's missing today, so many people are present with COVID. So many people are present with political stance. So many people are present with what's going on in the hell that's going on, but they're not present with God. They're not present with the voice of God. I, I rarely hear anybody say, this is what God is saying to me today. Here's what God's asking me to sacrifice today. Here's what God's, asking. man, I can smell the presence of God. I can feel the presence of God. I see, do you see what God's doing in this, this, this? I can't tell you the last time someone's come up to me and gave me a praise report. It feels like all we're doing is enduring instead of living. In God is life. In his presence is fullness of life. And all we need to do is get in his presence and we'll have the fullness of what he has. I'm not saying that that nonsense isn't going on outside. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be a life of denial. I get what COVID is. It's hitting close to home for me. What I'm sharing with you, I'm going to tell you what's more close to home is Jesus Christ and the presence of who he is in my life. The presence of his bread. And I'm realizing that this, this is what Jesus wants me to do. He says, I am the bread of life. I want to take some more time. And what did I do with my glasses? There they are. <laughs> All right. I want to share with you guys Number three, communion is looking back at Christ's sacrifice, a sign of his power. In John chapter six, verse 30 through 58, Jesus is having this discussion. And I I can only imagine some of the frustration that Christ had in trying to convey who he was and is. And I, I mean, in verse 30, Um, John 6, 30 says, therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? They were trying to get Christ to get into performance mode. When God doesn't, let me, let me share something with you. That would be like a marriage that expects to bring pro-life without relationship." God, I don't think anybody expects the bedroom before the living room. That's not what we are made to be. God, and I think so many times, they were asking Jesus to perform before they were having a relationship. He goes, I have been with you for so long, and yet you don't see daddy? And yet you don't see the kingdom? And yet so many times today, you know what, God's kingdom Is here today. He's shaking the church. He's looking for a church without spot and wrinkle. These are promises that God says I'm coming back to a church that's without spot and wrinkle. Can you guys see a little bit of the priestly ministry? That what was God doing? He says, first of all, He was going to enter my gates with thanksgivings, get rid of some spots and wrinkles. You're leaving, you know, when you got a thankful heart, there's wrinkles and spots you're leaving outside this gate, amen? And now you're coming into His courts with praise. There's, now you're starting to go, when you start praising God, do things of this world get, you know what, just really weird? They just get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, amen? And so all of a sudden you're praising you're worshiping God and all of the things of this world just just don't seem to matter even though they're there they're just outside of the realm and presence you're fixed on him and then all of a sudden now you come through this you're washing your hands and you're washing your feet you're taking steps to be in his presence you're going now you're you're lighting the lamp and then you're taking this place of incense and the next thing you are you're in his presence and God goes as you go through all of that so that you're in his presence, and in his presence of fullness, you're feeling so full with him. Not with duties first. You went through a lot of those little places of duties, and your, your mind's going, why do I got to do this? And God's going, well, that, you better, we better go back to the gate of thanksgiving. You know? And you go over there? Well then why do I gotta wash my hands? Well I gotta go back to that gate of Thanksgiving again. You know And then and then and why does she well, you know what? And and I'm trying to help my wife and, and helping her in the presence and she just complaining. Oh well, I've got to go back to that gate of Thanksgiving again. You guys you understand how many times we go back to the gate of Thanksgiving, and we have to enter into that because let me tell you something, it's not common, it's holy ground you're walking in. It's holy ground. The bread of his presence is holy, and what they were trying to do with Jesus is they were trying to bring it down to their level. A sign of his power in his life, symbolic of God's presence. Communion is symbolic, the bread of his presence. John six forty eight says, I am the bread of life. I am, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. John 6, 53 says this, then Jesus said to them, "Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And he lost most of his disciples right after he said this. Why? Because they weren't standing At the lampstand, they weren't allowing the Holy Spirit to light up understanding. They just couldn't get past, you want me to eat your flesh? You want me to drink your blood? They weren't looking for enlightenment. They were looking for excuses. And God wasn't talking about literal flesh and blood. He was sharing, he goes, look, I am talking about symbolism here. And from the very beginning, I have been saying that I am the bread of life. God rained down manna, and it was literally bread from heaven. From the, God is always trying to symbolize who he is and that he is your provider, that he is your sustenance, that he is your healer, that he is your strength. And that what he's trying to do is just say, all we're doing is go, go, give me a sign, give me a sign. He goes, are you serious? It's all around you. It's all around you. And now would you please just come into my presence where there'll be fullness. Communion like the bread of his presence is supernatural when received as holy. Eternity. Today we're going to we have these little crackers and juice here. It's symbolism. It's symbolism. It's symbolism. It's symbolism. But what does it symbolize? Your surrender and your trust that what God touches is holy. Is it something you're touching or is it something God's touching? See, if you believe it's something you're touching, well, then you're going to get nothing out of it. But if you believe it's holy unto God and you're doing it as a surrender unto God, even because you don't have full understanding. if any, Nobody in this room has full understanding of God. I certainly don't. And you certainly don't. But we can grow. And so as we go through this symbolism, the Israelites, the priest, went through this symbolism. The bread of his presence. It wasn't bread. It was bread of his presence. It was talking about, so when Jesus says, eat in my flesh and drinking in my blood, he, they knew what he was talking about. You might not know. You might get all weird because of, what, because of the picture of what you're seeing. But for them, they were thinking, oh, he's talking about the table of showbread. And let me just share real briefly. I'm running out of time here. There are three things that communion represents and it's, it, it's a time where we can look at, at reflect, we can reflect on God, we can re, re we can get refreshed in God, and we can recommit with God. We can get refreshed, we can get enlightened, we can recommit with God. Now, I don't know what communion is to you and I, all I know is this, is that if, if I can get past my human mind in the symbolism of it's a cracker and juice and realize that according to Ezekiel 20, when God says, I gave them the Sabbath day, it was a day, and they didn't treat it as holy. He says, and if they would have done that, they would have lived a long life and there was life in their obedience. So tell me the difference. If I can treat, the Bible says, when I take communion, if I can treat this as holy, am I any different than what God asked the Israelites to do 3,500 years ago and treat it as holy? The Sabbath was holy. Holy. And if I can go through the regulations, the Bible says, "Do this in remembrance of me." And try to say, "God, I'm 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 at that, you know that that seven that that golden lampstand. I, I need light, God. I, it, I struggle with the cracker and juice thing. So help me, Lord, to see the cross in it. I, I ask help, God. I don't. I ask pastors trying to help. But I can, I, Holy Spirit, I need help. This is, I know this is humanly packaged. It's obvious. But God, you can make it holy, you can touch it. I ask that you do that, Lord. Today, as I sing and I worship, I know I've heard myself sing, it's not a holy thing, <laughs> you know? but you can make it holy. Touch it today. Lord, my prayers. Lord, you know my prayers, and I know that even your word says that. I pray amiss. I I get it. There are things that I'm praying that are just not on target. But God, I pray that you can make up the difference. Wash, Wash it, God. Wash it. I offer my life, surrender to you, and make it what you want it to be. And maybe, you know, God's asking, maybe you're in a a situation in your life, maybe it's you need your marriage, and my wife and I are, literally what we're doing right now is that we've been a house of empty nest. And you know, I didn't really know, I thought, I had my idea what that was going to be like. You know, we, we could just be chasing each other around the house. No kids to interfere. It has not been that. <laughs> and, uh, and God had something else. And I didn't really look for it. I just, to be honest with you, I was like, God, huh, raising all those kids, that was, huh, it was hard enough. I'm gonna break. Didn't see that God had something else in mind. That was beautiful and holy in that empty nest time. So here we are, I've been empty nesters for a bit here. We're finally getting to God's plan. He has it holy. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. What is season are you in? Are you making it holy or is it just another common day? You, are, you one, are you the one that writes on the bumper sticker you know, common happens. We know it's, there's a different one over there, right? Are you that bumper sticker person? Or are you saying, God, make it a holy? It's your choice. Do you realize that God went through so much? Jesus went through the, He's the priest, high priest that went through so much so that you could have a holy presence with Him. You're not worthy of it. Every priest that would come into that, that ten of meeting would be shaking. Realizing that they had no right to be in that holy presence. And by the time they had went through all the motions of lighting the lamp and taking care of the incense and then once a week breaking bread, they're starting to catch that it wasn't about them. It's about what God provided and what God wanted. I don't belong in God's presence. God wants me there. I don't deserve to be in God's presence. God wants me there. What an honor for that. And I don't want to turn my back on God when he worked so hard and he said, look, through these little symbolisms, these sacraments of worship, these sacraments of prayer, that these are places that God calls holy. What right do I have to treat what God calls holy as common? I'm sorry. Just like the Israelites did with the Sabbath, God called it holy, they treated it common. God calls this holy, and I've treated it many times common. Or this, God calls holy. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe you're watching this even on TV right now. I pray that you could take some time just to recommit or to commit to surrender your life. If you're here this morning or if you're watching this and the presence of God is in your house, your car, in this room right now. And God is calling you into that space of holiness, not because you deserve it, but because He wants you there. It's so cool to be wanted, to be desired. God wants you there. And the only way to take that first step is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, If you've never committed your life or maybe you have and somehow you've drifted away. If you're here this morning or if you're watching this right now, take the time to pray this prayer with me. We're all going to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of commitment or prayer of recommitment, a prayer of surrender, a prayer of reflection. All of you guys pray today with me say, Father God in Jesus name I thank you that this is a holy moment in your presence I ask you to forgive me to cleanse me of my sin and I thank you that Jesus Christ paid the price he died on the cross for my sins Lord Jesus I thank you personally, and I ask you to help me in this journey of surrender, and thank you for your presence in my life, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through MyLifeChangeChurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to MyLifeChangeChurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.